He teaches Zen swords, so he's probably doing that right now. Yeah. So like we were just saying, in, uh, in that one form of Buddhism, they have the Four Noble Truths, and then they have the Eightfold Path, yeah? The Four Noble Truths is like explaining the quote-unquote problem, and then offering the possibility of solution, yeah? And then after that, they give you an Eightfold Path. It's sort of like in recovery, it would be steps one and two, yeah? And then the rest of the steps would be the Eightfold Path. So steps one, you understand the problem. Step two, they give you the possibility that a power greater than yourself could be, you know, uh, restore you to sanity. And then the rest is action steps. So in Buddhism, they have the Four Noble Truths. One of the first, the thing is suffering, you know, suffering... And the suffering, they don't mean like like physical suffering or any. It's sort of like a malaise, you know, a vague sense of dissatisfaction that our activity here seems to promote, you know, based on the condition we're looking at life from. So they say, well, what's the root of most of that? It's desire. Yeah? And they say, okay, now the thing is, is how to get free from that desire, and then here you go. This is what you're supposed to do or follow. This is just one form. So the first thing is, in the Eightfold Noble Path, they say, um, and we're going to look at it linearly, like the steps are in AA. You know how you don't, one comes before two, and two, and they actually, they promote a process, yeah? Now, if you don't believe in processes, it's just a manifestation, yeah? But that's how it goes, a linear thing. So the Eightfold Noble Path, the first step is right view. Yeah, and then I think they have like right meditation, right understanding, right livelihood, all these rights, yeah? But the right is lent to all the other ones by the right view. If the view isn't right, then in a sense, if you look at the logic of the statement, then the meditation won't be right, the understanding won't be right, the livelihood won't be right, yeah? Yeah. So the right view seems to be the prerequisite. Just like in AA, the first step is like you got to do that completely. Yeah, that's the prerequisite. You got to admit to yourself, "Hey, I'm fucked," and you know, and yeah, and I'm going to continue to be fucked if I keep the way I'm going. <laughs> There's no way out. Yeah, yeah. So here, all right, what's the right view? Now, in, in conservative Buddhism or Hinayana Buddhism. They used a language called Pali, which was like 300 years after Buddha was supposedly around. Yeah, they, Most of it was done orally. That's why they chant a lot also. That's how they remembered the teachings, supposedly. So then they started writing it. And in the language Pali, it's the word anatta, anatta, which means non-self. Yeah. So his, his basic, the way they see it, his basic invitation was, hey, there ain't one. There isn't a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. It's more of a mirage that's being instituted and reinforced by the mind stream, yeah? But it actually doesn't ever become so. So now look at, if you follow this a little bit, and you go to, all right, so desire is the root of all suffering, which that's what they say in the Four Noble Truths. What is the mind in? What's its original or initial desire is the conditional mind? It's in the desire to become someone, Yeah? It wants to become a self, in a way. It wants to be a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Or, conversely, it wants to become or unbecome what it thinks it is. Yeah? So let's say if it thinks it's a loser, it has a desire not to be there, or at least has a desire that no one finds out. 
what a big loser I am. Yeah. So the desire works both ways because everything is dualistic. Everything moves this way and that way. Aversion and desire are the same movement. Yeah. They're just different directions. So aversion is hate. Ooh, I don't want to be near that. And then desire. Yeah. Yeah. So one contracts this way and one contracts that way. Yeah. But it's the same energy. Yeah. Just playing this little. It's like a two-headed flute. Yeah. The manifestation, the energy of life, just plays through both ends. Yes, no, I, low, connected, disconnected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right view. Okay, so what happens if the right view isn't in place? Then it would just be a view. Yeah? Then the right that's connected to the view, and I think is promoted by the right view, can't go to the next thing, which is, let's say, right meditation, or right livelihood. Or just like in AA, if the first step isn't done in a certain way, we're not saying right, it doesn't carry through, that that mistake carries through, through the rest of the 11 steps. So a lot of people run into the fourth step, and they don't, or the third step, because it's the first step. They're still managing. They're still playing. They're still taking themselves to be what's playing God. So without that being clear, then the clarity doesn't uh, produce any momentum. Yeah, it usually fizzles out at the third step or the fourth step or definitely the ninth step. Yeah, because they don't want to face up to the whatever. Yeah. So here, right view. Okay. So what is it that you may not be what you take yourself to be? Yeah. Your starting point may not be the first square of the game. And if you, if you take the fifth square in the game to be the first square, you're going to miss the whole point of the game, in a sense. <laughs> because there's four very important squares missing in your understanding. So, right view, for me, in my experience, it put into the AA context is, hey, be convinced that self, and I don't mean the large self, the universal self, I mean the activity of a mental process called selfing, yeah, and, and the apparition or the appearance it produces a vague sense of. It never can really make it so, but it, it appears to be so. Yeah? You take yourself to be a self all day. Yeah? So when something happens, you think you did it or it's been done to you. So that feeling, that vague sense, yeah, if you took it in the A's view, it would be be convinced, which means to believe with certainty that self, small, manifested in various ways. A lot of ways. Manifested means appears, you know, in various ways, is what has defeated us. It's an incredible statement. I mean, seriously. If you, to me, there's a big chunk of a very valid understanding in recovery, right, in that statement. Because it separates the two. It says us and self are different, in a way. Yeah? And if you ask anyone in recovery who's been in recovery for a while, especially in this community, San Francisco... You ask, okay, what self-defeated you? We all have the same answer. It would be my self. Yeah? So self doesn't defeat you. It's being identified as self which is defeats you. That's what opens you up to defeat. Yeah? So in a way, mind, when it's clear I'm not that, isn't defeated by that. When it's taken itself to be that, it's open to the defeat of it. Yeah? What would be the defeat of it? Basically, you forget your real nature or a nature, and you acquire a mental one. Yeah, you become the character in the story. You forgot that you're the actor. Yeah, you're totally immersed in the in the setting and the scene and the lines, and you're taking them to be yours. So everything is serious as hell. Yeah. <laughs> so we're saying that my is an activity of mind. 
That's the only way you can feel like a self. If selfing stops for, for a sufficient amount of time, you wouldn't know what you were, and that's what you are. <laughs> exactly. You are what's left when you don't know what you are. That's what you are. There's the freedom, right there. Yeah? It's just so clear. So, then, if you decide to meditate, or the predilection of this apparatus is to meditate, the meditation has a, a resonance or a, or a reverberation of the rightness of realizing you're not the meditator. Yeah? Because what happens if you do 14 hours of meditation, and every, all those 14 hours your mind has been busily mining that, all the, all the solid ore of gold, and co- making a false idol called, I'm the meditator. Yeah. Then you're waiting for everyone else to leave, so you're the one who meditated the longest and, you know, sat the straightest. It becomes another form of selfie. Yeah. I'm not saying that's necessarily so, but I've seen it quite a lot. And I've seen it in my own experience, and I practiced pretty much for 10, 12 years. And I saw, in a sense, the template of me being the one who's doing the act destroys the effect of the act. It it doesn't destroy it, it it distorts it, or uh, bastardizes it, yeah? And and I'm saying, like, there's a famous uh, Buddhist teacher who was an alcoholic, he died, Trungpa Rinpoche, he had a famous book called uh, Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism, and the first line, I think, in it was, you've got to realize that whatever the ego comes in contact with, it will take advantage of. How does it come in contact with everything? It comes in contact with everything as you. Yeah? Without you, without your identification as that, it's not going to come in contact with it. What's going to be in contact with it is what is in contact with it, consciousness. But when you're identified as this idea, you're the one who's doing it. You're the one that's doing this and hearing that and tasting this and seeing that. Yeah? You see it? It's just like a a small shift in calibration, but while you're here in time and space, it it geometrically progresses. So the ignorance is just a little bit of a lapse, and yet it becomes an eon in time. And then you're trying to get back to that place you have a sense of, or a feeling of, or something reminds you of, but you're trying to get back to it as what you're not. You're never going to, self is never going to get into, into the self, the big self, nor is it ever going to get out of the little self. <laughs> it doesn't matter how much shit you do. <laughs> it's failed in the beginning, because there's a sense of you, and it's a strong sense of you. And it, and it gets strained by every act identification. And let's say if your head has a spiritual bent, and so you think spiritual practice is more noble than going to the to work, then I'm telling you, it's going to use all that, it can use all that spiritual practice to adhere you, to adhere your mind to the idea of being the one who's doing it. Yeah? And it's a pretty strong glue, because it's noble, it's better than washing the dishes. It's better, it's much more profound what I'm doing than everyone else. Yeah? I don't know. This is... <laughs> the only way to get out of a failed system is realize you were never in it. You can't get out of itself, can't get out of self. It just can't. It's because it doesn't exist anywhere. It only appears in a system called self-centeredness. When the system, right, 
if, if the self tries to leave the system, it can't because it's only of the system. There isn't any authentic self. You're not going to find you. Oh, but I'm the observer of all my bullshit. That's also selfing. That observer isn't clear and neutral. It's biased. It has opinions. It's, it's judging like fucking crazy. Yeah, that's not, a, that's not a clear observation. That's selfing. Selfing, 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 selfing. You want to go through 50 examples of it, or you want to listen to a message and maybe get done with two? Yeah, this thing can save you time. Or you'll just have to keep doing it. Then, I swear, I read this thing once in Tricycle, this Buddhist magazine, years and years ago. I don't know, maybe I should. But it was like a little editorial about a, a meditation teacher with the med, you know, and had many students. A lot of his students, long-time students, were coming to him saying, you know what, I've been meditating for 30 years, and you know, I don't feel much difference. <laughs> as soon as I heard this, I closed the book. That's that. What the hell? <laughs> Freedom isn't for as you. It's from you. It's not as you. You never. I don't. These are my opinions, but I like to say them strongly for the uh, dramatic effect. Telling the truth, I could. I could really care less. But the fact is. This is, <laughs> this is, this is just a, I'd like to leave an impression. <laughs> because it really is an absolute. Either it is or it isn't. Yeah? You're not self sometimes. <laughs> what would that be that could be self sometimes and then something else what is it when you get a, a zone or a freeze where your mind maybe in meditation stops what's there what's there what's never not there it preceded the meditation it was during the meditation it's after the meditation what's the most constant thing that you can come in touch with. For me, it's a sound, yeah? I hear sounds all the time. But what's even more constant than those sounds is what's hearing the sound. Yeah? The awareness of the sound is much more constant than the most constant sound I've ever run into here. Yeah? What's aware of the breath, the up and the down and the pause, is not a pause. <laughs> It's on constantly. It's awareness. Yeah. Am I wielding awareness as if it's a sword? Or am I a mental process that appears in awareness but claims to be the one behind awareness? I would say the latter, yeah. I take myself to be someone who's doing what can't be done which is awareness. I'm taking myself to be the one who's seeing and hearing and feeling and tasting and touching instead of just recognizing consciousness or awareness, whatever you want to call it. Onness is seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. And you, if you had 30 gates to meet a, a fabricated world, you'd have 30 uh, manifestations of seeing. Yeah? If there was 100, you'd have 100 manifestations of seeing. The seeings aren't limited by the gates. Yeah? The seeing is unlimited. 
If you had a thousand different uh, senses, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and then 800 more, there would still be enough seeing to move through all of them and have contact to you. Yeah? It's like a huge light. If you perforate one hole in the paper, one comes out. If you put 50, one, 50. 800 holes, 800. The light is immense. Yeah? Always available at all times. Yeah? It's not described by the hole. If you try to look through the hole to see the light, Yeah, so like in recovery, I, I felt it was a good idea to get the real diagnosis of the disease correct so that your approach to it would be the right one. And my revelation about it was that it's the idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Yes? It's not that you think you're a body, but you definitely believe you have a body. And you're not... And, it's not because you're consciousness, because you are, but you actually believe that there's a you that's conscious, which is different. Yeah? So it's like the I, if you want to use the I to represent awareness or spirit or seeing or emptiness, whatever you want to call it, Christ mind, Buddha mind, whatever. If you want to use that I as that, representing that, and then the you as the body, yeah? then what we have is really a mental process that's taken the two, the I and the you, and bastardized them and made a me. A me. M-E. Yeah? Well, so while you're looking at this, all you see is a you. You're never going to see this as a me. You're going to see it as a you, no matter if you look at me once or if you're married to me. Every time you look this way, this is going to be a you. And yet, against all that information, with millions of, right now, let's say for the internet, 200 people seeing me as a you, yeah, I have the feeling that I'm still me. (laughs) A very special, a very special character. And there's only one of me. It's amazing, isn't it? Mm. Even though I have the same form and characteristics of billions of bodies, there's only one of me. I just closed my mind. <laughs> if you would just stop, how could you buy that one? <laughs> I remember when I went to this drug and alcohol program. I lived there for two years. You know, I walked in and have a place to stay because <laughs> I was homeless. And then they, they said, "You want to stay? You want to have a place to stay tonight?" I said, "Yeah." They said, "You got to make a two-year commitment." <laughs> Sounded like a bad deal, but I stayed there two years. Yeah, and when I left there. I had to admit, even though I didn't like the people and the president and the, uh, all the bosses in the place, I had to admit my life looked better with them running it than it ever did with me running it, yeah? Because they never saw me as a me. They saw me as a you. A junkie addict you. <laughs> and you know what? That was a much clearer vision than how I was seeing this you as, because I had this giant filter called me. What am I doing here? <laughs> you know, don't they know who I am exactly? They knew exactly who I was. <laughs> so the me, that distortion, that uh, that veil, <clears throat> so actions occur, yeah? Maybe I'm drawn to do something. But what happens is, everything that happens is claimed by that mental process 
as I'm the one it's happening to or I'm the one who's doing it. Yeah? It claims everything. It comes after the conscious contact, but it's very quick so you don't notice it. You think it actually is prior to the conscious contact. While there is no con- conscious contact, let's say, well, you're in conscious contact, but let's say nothing's happening, there's still a feeling that you are happening. Yeah? This is called selfing. This is what the mental process is doing. You didn't have it when you were a baby. It grew in, you grew into it. Yeah? Supposedly, it's, they say they believe in some research that the, the selfing, the feeling of being an independent entity, starts around 18 months. Yeah? As soon as it starts around 18, 18 months, one of the first words that's come out of a kid is my. Yeah? The act of being identified, the act of claiming, the act of having. Once that occurs, it's on the off to the races. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> We're just seeing, all right, what would happen if the mind would recognize a movement of a mental process called identification or claiming? What would happen if it would see it? If it would see it, maybe one time while it was seeing it, it would realize, hey, I must not be that. I'm seeing it. Yeah? What that's inferring, I have never been. What that's implying, who the hell is that? Yeah? All I get when I really go back as far as I can get is there's an onness or a seeing that's undeniable. And there's nothing prior to that. Yeah? There's just seeing. Yeah? That's why what wasn't revealed can be revealed. Even about your most deeply intimate beliefs about you, they're revealed by the light of what you are. Yeah? And what truly, when it all distills into a really nice chunk of information, is that I'm not that. Yeah? So as soon as I'm not that, which is driving me crazy, I can entertain the possibility immediately that I can be free of it. If I'm identified as what's driving me crazy, the best thing I can come up with is therapy and a lot of other freaking practices. Yeah? To try to get some freaking relief because it's fucking unbearable. But if I'm not that, I can have a radical freedom from it. Yeah? Because why? I'm not that. So the thought system, instead of being held as, these are my thoughts, they're held as thoughts. Yeah? And I tell you, you will travel a lot lighter when a thought is a thought, not yours. Once it's yours, it begets a lot more thoughts <laughs> about your thought. <laughs> and you get, you're in an avalanche of selfing. And you want relief. That's what addiction is. Addiction is, to me, it starts with a natural desire to get out of something that's unbearable. Yeah? But the thing is, if you don't get the first addiction, which is the self or the conditional mind addicted to the idea of being a someone, if that isn't relieved, yeah, it's going to spring out, you're going to want to get relief from that. And sometimes, if you have the conditioning or the the DNA structure, your relief from that will become another addiction, like alcoholism and drug addiction. And then the more and more addictions occur, and every addiction I've ever been in, and I've been in a few, they never really bring you to a point of satiation, do you? Do they? I never shot coke one time. I said, oh, that's the greatest shot I ever had. I'm done. Fantastic. Thank you, cocaine. You've done a great job for me. Now I'm just going to enjoy everyone and be ease and comfort. Thank you. Yeah. No. Every time you shoot up, I never know how good it was. I shut up faster. Faster next time. 
You know, I just, first one ten minutes, next one five minutes, three minutes, and boom, 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 boom. Yeah? And I don't see there's any end to that. Yeah? It just morphs into others, maybe, but it's never end because it's inherently dissatisfying because the original dilemma is still in place. Yeah? So if the original dilemma is your mind, your mental process has got an idea up its ass called, hey, I want to be a self. Yeah? I want to be God. I want to be the doer and the shaker. I want to be the one who's seeing, hearing, feeling. When that desire is in place, all the mental process can do is try to become it, but it can never reach fulfillment, which is the definition of addiction in a sense. You never reach fulfillment through an addiction. Yeah? Why? Because they're just mirroring this addiction. The addiction of mind to the idea of being a special, long-lasting, independent, separate someone. Where feelings are not feelings, they're my feelings. When thoughts are just not thoughts, they're my thoughts. When actions are just not actions, they're my actions. Yeah. Once that takeover is in place, it just geometrically progresses. How could it not? It has all this space and time. Yeah. Space and time is needed for something to manifest. For something to manifest, it needs the space to manifest it, and it needs time to do it. So selfing starts like this, oh, I could be that, I am, this is my mind. And then, you've got a 90-year story. So we're all fucked, basically. <laughs> and that's the good news. That's the great news. Because you're not that. That's the great news. The great news is you're not that. What? You're not the seer of this. You're not the hearer of this. You're not the feeler of this. You're not the doer of the action. Yeah? You're not the haver of all these things. The thoughts are not yours. <laughs> they have it in nature. They come and go, just like everything else. Feelings, everything like that. What happens when they become yours, they get extended. Yeah? Their orbit has something to fly around, so they just don't go... You know, they go like this. They start circulating around you. Yeah? This idea of being you. Then all the feelings are mine and the thoughts are mine. Yeah? And all that mind drives you freaking crazy, yeah? And you try to get out of it, which is a simple, obvious solution, but you can't get out of what you're not in. Self can't get out of self. Why can't self get out of self? Why can't that happen? Why does it fail? Why is that an axiom in recovery? Self can't get out of self. You know, like in Buddhism, in the old Huang Po, an old Zen master, he says, you can't use mind to seek mind. You can't use Buddha to seek Buddha. Yeah. You can do it, you can practice for eons, and it isn't going to work. Because that which you're trying to seek is what's seeking. Yeah. What you're seeking for is, the thing that's seeking is what's being sought. How could it be? It's me. There you go. If the me drops, maybe it'll become clear to you. When it's the me, it has to be outside of you. Yeah? It has to be. Because you're already substantial. You're already solid. You are an inherent existing being. 
you must you need to look outside. That's the that's the begetter of saviors, and all good saviors fail you. Yeah. Like Buddha supposedly said when he passed away, he says, Be a light upon yourself. He says, Don't freaking listen to me, don't believe me, check it out. Find out, you know. Explore. So I don't know. Sometimes there's some good indicators when you're on to something. Because usually, let's say if I have a rash and I don't know what it is, so I go to the pharmacy, I get like five different ointments, yeah? I put on each ointment religiously, but some the rash persists. So I say, well, that mustn't... And then I read the ointment and it says, this is for eczema. So I guess I don't have eczema because, yeah? yeah. So what happens when I get the one that works? When I get relief from the problem, then that's a pretty good indicator. You're on to something, yeah? So you read you read it. So you read the thing, yeah? Just sort of like in AA, you know the problem by the solution. When you get relief from alcoholism, you start learning about alcoholism, yeah? You don't learn about alcoholism when you're in it. You learn about alcoholism when the mind's starting to leave it, because you know the problem from the solution, yeah? From the solution's view, the problem is imaginary. From the problem's view, right, there's millions of solutions. When I heard this, it was the last answer. It was a really wonderful, and I only know that until till now. It hasn't been there's been no new answers have shown up. Nor am I looking for any really. So maybe that's the answer yeah. that you're freed from the need to be liberated. Because what really needs to be liberated, and we've been trying to be liberated through drugs, through sex, through everything like that, is self. Yeah. The idea of being this long-lasting, independent, separate entity is what drives the need to be liberated. If you're not, you're freed from the need to be liberated. Yeah? You're freed from that need. It's nothing to be liberated. Hmm? It's nothing to be liberated. That's right. And the thing is, what used to be really, really irritable to you and, and rub you the wrong way seems to pass much quicker now. <laughs> And then you realize, geez, you had a big participation in this event called life. Yeah, maybe, like it says in The Course of Miracle, you and I are giving everything all the meaning it has. What? Yes. I didn't think I was giving that a meaning. I know you don't. <laughs> Even if you learn that you've given everything all the meaning it has, you may not learn that the feeling of being a you is a meaning your mind's given to something. <laughs> The, the mental process has given this you and crowned it with this idea of being me. <laughs> it's way too much for it. Eh? I can't live up to it. 
If I'm a me, I'm going to be an urban renewal project for the rest of my life. It's never, it never completes, yeah? There's always something to tinker with. Something's wrong with me. More defects of character are showing up when I'm 80. Fuck that. <laughs> By that point, hopefully my observation or my, would be very, very open lens, yeah? Character defects are more than welcome. <laughs> it's just, it's like becoming a free-range alcoholic. Yeah, it's like, but, but you should. <laughs> What's that again? Even though you thought you discovered an answer, that it's you discovered it, or you realized it's you? And no, if I, the thing is, when you discover an answer, yes? Then there's if there's that I didn't say it that way I forgot already what I said so but 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 I'll, but I'll use it see when you discover an answer which is more emphasized the answer or you yeah. yes exactly that's the dilemma yes if you look at everything you're engaged with everything's in, all in just one day everything that you've been engaged with has been engaged with one you you can't believe how much meaning that is, that the mind has given this you to be me. Yeah, it means it's bigger than God. That's why it plays God. Like we say in recovery, unless you quit playing God, the results will be nil. I mean, uh, you have to quit playing God because it doesn't work. Yeah? Watch the selfing. What it does all day is play God. It's telling you how you are, how you were, how you're going to be. It's telling you how they are, how they were, and how they're going to be. It's telling you how the world is, how it was, and how it's going to be. You can't be bigger playing God than that. Yeah? So, every, let's say you look at problems, who is, but there's 30 problems, but there's only one you having them. You've got to see the role in that sense of being the one who has the problem. Yeah? If that wasn't so, the problems may not look like they do right now to you. That's all I'm suggesting. Yeah? If you change this, and it's not even changing it because you don't need to do anything, it's just a recognition, there's no need to do anything. <laughs> really. When, that's, when that starts becoming uh, established, then you see the mind give meaning to things. But your interest and attention doesn't back it up anymore. You just see it as a failed system, like choking and spitting up all day. Yeah? That's what it does. It's a failed system. Selfing is a failed system. Self-centeredness is a failed system. If you read the big book, that's what it says. Why are you with so much fear today? Isn't it because self-reliance has failed you? It's a failed system. It can't, it's like a snake. No matter how nice you are to it, it's still going to bite you sooner or later because that's its nature. If you rely on a failed system, it doesn't matter how much you rely on it, it's still going to fail you. <laughs> Who is it? Yeah? So let's say if you're worrying about next week, 
usually the attention would go on the you that's worrying about it and what's being worried about. We're just not going to put our attention on the you and ask it a question. Who is it? Who is it, the you, who is it that's worrying about next week? If it isn't you, you'll probably lose interest in the worrying about next week. That's my experience. I found my interest lies in what I think. If anything, if it has anything to do with me, I'm interested in it. <laughs> yeah. When I realized that me had nothing to do with what I am, I lost interest in it. Simple as that. Yeah. So here, it's really simple. Most of the place where the mental process of selfing grazes is in time, right? Past and future, or in what's not happening. Now, there is something that is happening. So in what's not happening, anything can happen. You can have cancer next week. You can, in what's not happening. You can think that you're going to be destitute. You can, you, by just thinking that you're destitute, you could be, you could negate all the manifest, physical manifestations of a house in Pacific Grove, or whatever the place is, Pacific Heights, a Ferrari and the thing. All those substantial real things, their effects can be wiped out by one thought, I'm gonna be destitute next week. Yeah? You gotta see what comes first. Mine is much, much prior to the manifestation. You're not gonna fix mine by a manifestation of it, you know? You know what I mean? So, let's say, so if the thought goes to next week, I'm going to have cancer. And it's not, it's not, the, the why your attention goes there is because it's about you. You're going to have cancer. If there was everyone else in the world was going to have cancer next week, you probably really wouldn't be too upset by that, in a sense, because it wouldn't be happening to you, yeah, and not now. But here, when it's happening to you in this realm of what's not happening, what occurs is it produces an effect in your body now. You don't have the ability to respond to what's happening because you're addicted or you're enslaved to what's not happening. Why am I a slave to what's not happening? What's not happening ain't that good because it's not happening. Yeah, But because it's me, that's the glue. If I'm not that which is traveling to what's not happening. When I picture what's not happening, how are you pictured when you think about the future as a body, yeah? When you think about what am I going to do if I have cancer? First of all, to have cancer, it's going to be in the body anyway, yeah? But let's say that you picture yourself as a body, yeah? That's like the fixed object the mind uses to place in different places at different times, and then you get obsessed over it, yeah? A thought comes, oh, I could have cancer, which is a possibility. You could. But then it's, it gets, it's like, a, it's like a slow building, like one of those tornadoes. It gets one, and it gets caught in the thing, and then it's all around this idea, Paul, what's going to happen to me? Yeah. And while I'm obsessed with that, it's having an effect now, isn't it? Your mind is agitated, right? You're living right now as if you have cancer and you're denying the presence of this room or the night and like that. You are totally dismissed from what's actually happening and you're up the ass of what's not happening. What's the solution to that? It's not happening. It's not happening. What more do I need to do but recognize it's not happening? If I do anything about it, I'm taking it to be happening. But if I really see it's not happening, there's nothing for me to do. It doesn't take any time. Boom! Yeah? And you have something to compare what's not happening with. Something is happening. 
You may not like it, but it is happening. And it does have one quality, what's not happening doesn't have. Even though what's not happening has millions of qualities. Anything can happen in there. But this, what's happening now has one quality, that doesn't, which is it's happening. Yeah? This one quality, if you're aware of it, can dismiss every fucking seed that's germinated in that crop or that field of what's not happening. Every one of them. Every one of them. Yeah? Then your interest and attention doesn't go there and there. And where does it go? Right here. That same interest and attention that if obsessed with self enslaves you, drives you freaking crazy, will now enrich your life. Just take the fixed object. Take that little lightning pole. Take the weather vane and question it. If it's not so, the storm changes. It disperses. Space becomes apparent. You feel it. Uh, to me, it's just turned into a translated to an ease and comfort in my own skin and traveling lighter for years here. Doesn't sp- it doesn't promise that you, the, the terrain of your life or the circumstances of your life will change, but whatever they may be, you'll travel lighter over them. What more do you want? If it's not you worrying about next week, you'll lose interest in worrying about next week. If it's not you who's going to have cancer three years from now, you'll lose interest in thinking you're going to have cancer three years from now. If it's not you that believes that your girlfriend's sleeping with your best friend two weeks from now, you won't be that interested in that idea. Yeah? Because it's not you. Bringing it back to the Eightfold Path, right view. The right view is correct or right, then it lends that rightness to other things, how you live. You realize you're on a seat assignment, yeah? This is just your job, whatever that job may be. It's not like you don't have a throne with your name engraved in it. It's more like musical chairs. You have a little job to do, and then you do it. And then the music may come on, you may get up and end up with another seat assignment, yeah? So everything becomes flexible, the rigidity of mind and the I know gets replaced by I don't know, and then you have another form of knowledge called finding out, which is much more valuable than knowing. Yeah? Knowing can come and go. You know something, you've studied it, you've read it, but when the shit hits the fan, it's nowhere to be found. But when you find out something, you may have a stabilized condition. Yeah? You may not be swayed by the comings and goings, by the ins and outs, but you'll be established in the scene. Everyone says, well, I'm seeing. Yes, but how it's held by the mental processes, you're looking. That's not seeing. That's an interpretation, yeah? The consciousness is happening, but how it's held is, I'm the one who's seeing, yeah? That's a form of looking called self-centeredness. It's a form of blindness. And it's the perfect blindness because it has the ingredient of seeing in it. Yeah? You can't deny the seeing, but you're blind to it because you're locked into a form of looking called self-centeredness. Yeah? So no matter how much you look for the seeing, you'll never freaking find it. That's, that is an act of blindness, even though there's seeing involved. Yeah? It's an act of blindness. You can't see the open secret. 
You can't realize it's a gateless gate. There's no entry fee. You're right where you think you need to do something to get to. You're right there, right now. How could you not be? <laughs> really. I mean, the idea of how, what are, you know, there's a lot of books about getting into the moment, yeah? How to get into the moment and how to, then, you know, then there's the second series, how to get, really get into the moment. And then the third edition is how to really, really get into the moment. And they can just keep carrying it farther and farther. But we're saying here, you can't be out of a moment. If you can't be out of a moment, what's the point of trying to get in? All they're trying to get in is the verification of a belief that you could be out. Yeah? The same thing with the selfing. We're saying there's an impossibility of there being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Yeah? So you can't... Why try to get out of something you can't be in? What you are has never been in selfing. Yeah? What's in selfing, yeah, that thinks it's doing the selfing or the selfing's doing it to it is part of selfing. Self can't get out of self, yes? Yet all the while they're seeing, seeing, yeah, that allows, illuminates the whole pantomime, the whole play of selfing. Without the light of awareness, there'd be no idea that a thought was yours or not. Yeah. So if you throw a few subjective questions in every once in a while, if you're alone, yeah, ask who's alone. Check it out. Maybe it'll come up with an answer. Don't leave. Ask it again. Well, who's that? See if anyone shows up. Yeah. Really? If it goes, oh, it's me, don't buy that one. You've been buying that forever. Well, who's this me? Question. See, let me see your papers. <laughs> why do you think it has? Why do you see in in AA terms? Why is there so much manifestation of self in one's life? It must have total access to life through you. Yeah. How does it have access? Every time it shows up, you call it me. Yeah. You never check it out. You never say, "Hey, that's a fucking insane idea." <laughs> As soon as it's your idea, it's meant to be gone over. Oh, yes. Let's see. That sounds very good. I think I've had this idea before, but I can't remember what happened. Yeah, because you were in Bryant Street, 850, at the prison, <laughs> at the jail. That's why you can't remember. <laughs> and this is just an invitation or a message. It's like a, you know, like a car that run, you know, runs out. You, know, you pull over to the side. You're trying to start it, it won't start. So you know a little bit about cars, and you have an older one. You know, you get out, you open up the hood, and then you take the air filter off, and there's the carburetor. Yeah. And so if you have some gas, you put a couple drops of gas in. Have your friend start start. You know, the key's there. Everything's there. And just all it needs is a couple of drops of gas, and then it fires up. Yeah. Now you're you're able to drive again. Why would you want to keep pouring gas in? It'll just flood it. Yeah? This is what this message is like. It's an invitation. It's not like a thirty-year dissertation on the on the compilation of all scriptures. It's just, hey, you're not that. You know, check it out. Yeah?
message, you know, you know, hey, come over at 8 o'clock. That's a message. Not like, you know why you should come over at 8? And you never come over at 8, and so we're going to try 8, but I really feel you're not going to be able to make it, but I'm going to try it one more time because I want to be right about you finally. You are a fucking late person. No, that's not a message. A message is just a simple message. Yeah? Hey, you may not be that. You may not be that which your mental process takes yourself to be, takes itself to be. You may not be that. If you're not allied to that, if it's not you, there's no loyalty to it. When you walk away, you don't look back. No matter, like if it's singing like the sirens of Ulysses, it's not about you anymore. Yeah? The hooks don't get you because you've got to pay attention to the hook. There's got to be a little bit of wink, and it, it gets you, and it knows. It's like the, it's like a mass of fishermen. It knows when it's hooked your attention. Yeah. Once it gets in there, it's a little tug of belief. <laughs> yeah. And then you're flopping on the deck for however long, and then hopefully light throws you back in, and then you, you know, Im- immediately forget, and then you're ready to go for another hook. Yeah. All with the desire of going to be me. There's a freedom that's available. In recovery, there is a solution. I think in recovery they say, uh, I love this when the music shows up. In recovery, I think they say that we're not people with problems, we are the problem, right? Isn't that one of the statements in the book? So how could you be the problem? If you were the problem, then the statement... We, we, we cover from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body and wouldn't be applied. Seemingly means to it appears to be true or false to you. So you see the role of mind there, right? Something is a hopeless state of mind and body if it appears to be true to the mind. It's, there's no inherent hopeless state of mind and body. It's all seemingly. Yeah? So let's just say these people recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. How could they have done that if they were the problem? There would be no recovery from it. The solution is, you're not the problem. Yeah? But you can't say that from the beginning. First, you've got to embrace that you are the problem, and in telling the truth about it, and, and doing the steps with it, then it's like a different form of denial. You deny it in a, like a holistic manner, and then you're not that. But while you're trying to deny you're that, you're more that than ever. Yeah? That's the little hook I've seen in AA. Because I hear people hear this message of non-self, and they think, oh, I don't have to do the steps anymore. I don't have to do this or that. But there's a big hook, yes? Because there's an identification as self in place. And if that's in place, you need to come to these meetings. Yes. (laughs) If you act as if it isn't, the shit's really going to hit the fan. Yeah. So in my experience with it is, most of my life I was trying to deny things, try to make them unreal, because they scared the hell out of me, like emotions, like when my mother, I mean my father and my grandmother died when I was nine, I got overwhelmed, you know, my little head just shut down big time, because I had been loving, and then suddenly the objects of love were gone, and it felt really, this is too vulnerable to have all this love out there, (laughs) suck it back in, so to speak, yeah? And then my rest of my life was trying to make it unreal. These things I thought were so real. And finally I came in AA and I let them be as real as they wanted to be. I told the truth and everything. And you know what happened? They revealed their true nature, which is their unreal. 
but I couldn't get, in my own little experience, I wouldn't have gotten there by saying they were unreal at the beginning. It would be another way of trying to mentally deny them. By letting them finally catch up with me and telling the truth about them, the truth is they are unreal. Yeah? And then real freedom, a freedom that radically stabilizes the available. Not an in and out of getting connected and disconnected. All of that is the is like the parade of yes and no in the head. You have nothing to do with it. So, you like the lighting in the room? I like it. Slowly goes down. Yeah. I got a friend. Uh, <laughs> you have a friend? I do. Wow, it's very surprising. Um, I spoke with this guy. He was in town, uh, and his thing is this anger issue. And I, you know, I'm, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, I get, he says I get angry and he acts out, acts out of this anger. And we were talking and he, like there's stuff underneath that he just can't get at or is unwilling to get at or doesn't know how to get at. And, uh, and I think that the steps, regardless of what the issue is, right? I mean, that's my understanding, regardless of what it is, it's the, that, like we were just saying, whether it's the drugs or whatever else, the acceptance, I, I am doing this, and I don't know, you know, how really to apply the, the solution to that in terms of wording something he can find on his own, but the steps will work around that in terms of confronting it, right? Finding someone to help him see. I don't know. You know, you can do a lot, but without willingness, you can have the perfect program or the perfect path, but if there's no willingness, it doesn't matter. And one of the dilemmas about alcoholism is most diseases sort of cause you to look for a solution. Yeah? When you, someone says you have cancer, then you're probably willing to go through a horrendous thing called chemo. But people get the idea that they're alcoholics, they don't even want to go to a meeting for an hour. <laughs> you know what I mean? They have, they have a huge reluctance to receive anything that's on offer. I mean, it's an amazing little uh, aspect of it. Because it's truly a mental disease, yeah? You can't take an x-ray of it, yeah? You can see its effects in the body, but you can't see it. It's not locatable in the body, because that's not where it manifests. It manifests in the head, yeah? In the mental processes. So let's say you're jacked into the mental process that produces a sense of self. What the fuck are you going to have when you grow up? I'm, I'm using a bad language to express, but you're going to have an alcoholic self. Fucking, yeah, yeah. It's fitting to end the meeting. That's very good. Doesn't sound like the, the sky's broken and sunny and we're all going to walk past. Dark days are over. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Any questions? No?